Well, good morning, and thank you for joining us uh, from wherever you are today. We're so glad that you're here joining us uh, as we are broadcasting from Simi Valley, from New Heart, and I'm so glad that you're here today with us. I want to welcome you, and today my message, we're going to get to it here in just a second, uh, but before we do, I, I actually, I came across something hilarious this last week. My wife was actually t texted this to me this morning, and she wanted to give me an, an idea of what church is like at home with kids. Those of you who are at home without kids and it's peaceful and you have your warm cup of coffee and you're just enjoying today, uh, you won't relate to this, but for those with kids, I think we've got a picture I'll put on the screen uh, to show you what they are going through and experiencing. This is, uh, this is what church is like watching at home with children. And uh, uh, so for those of you joining us at home, we salute you, especially our moms and our dads, uh, Mother's Day is just around the corner. We are so glad that you're here today. And I'm praying for peace as you get into the Word and as we gather for the rest of our time together today. Uh, but the title of my message today is The Power of a Deep Faith. And I want to talk about a deep and meaningful faith, and we're going to get there in just a second. Before we do that, I also want to give a quick update, because obviously today is the first Sunday in May. And in the first Sunday in May, we were hoping and praying that we would be back together again in person for in-person services, but obviously we are not. And so I wanted to give you an update. Obviously, you know, we, we've wanted to follow the direction of our state leadership and our government officials as far as uh, stopping our gatherings in person to slow the spread. And, you know, at this point, we still have no specific date. We're hoping for a couple weeks, but it could be a couple of months. It could be any period of time. And I don't have any specific details. I do want to encourage you on our website, if you go to newheart.us, at the bottom, there's a link that says COVID-19 information. And we'll try and post updates there as we get news and any sort of updates as far as when we will bring be bringing back our in-person gatherings. But we cannot wait to see you face-to-face -face again, and I can't wait for us to gather again. But until that time, we're gonna continue meeting in our online venue like we are, and I, I just thank you for joining us for that. And as we gather to get back together in the house, just talking with some of the team, we're gonna have to think about how we can make space for us to be somewhat physically uh, separated from one another in the worship center. And so quite likely we'll be moving to multiple service times to give us more space and have more room in our worship center to spread out a little bit. But we'll give you an update as we get some concrete details. I just wanted to give you a brief uh, update and reminder about where we're at and what we're thinking and strategizing for the future. And this season has been a season of rebirth. It's been a season of renewal. Uh, now, obviously, we are in the middle of the season that we know as spring, and spring is a season when new life is, is coming up, when things that have been planted begin to take root and to grow upward and to start to bear fruit and do all sorts of unique things. And this is a season of renewal in every sense of the word, as many of our routines, many of our things that we normally do are are everyday rhythms of life have been, sh have been shocked, they've been stopped, they've been changed, they've been altered. And so this is a season uh, where I believe everything that we would call normal has kind of been put on hold. And as we enter this season, um, like spring itself, I believe that something new is sprouting up. And my prayer for you this morning is that God would begin to do a new work in your life. 
right where you're at, that he would begin to do a new work in you and something new would sprout up in you. And I don't believe it's by accident before we get to the book of Acts. We're gonna turn to Acts chapter five in just a minute. But before we turn there, I don't believe it's by mistake that the Lord put a unique word on my heart and my wife, Pastor Rebecca's heart. He put unique word for this year in our heart at the beginning of the year. And for those of you who joined us for First Wednesday in February, you'll remember this word from Second Kings that the Lord stirred and put on our heart. And I'm gonna read it to you because I believe that when we shared it, it was timely and now it's even more so. Um, and so Second Kings chapter 19, of course, God is speaking to the people of Israel in a unique season of time. But this is what he says. He says, now this shall be the sign for you. This year, eat what grows of itself. And in the second year, what springs of the same. And in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And he's talking about this surviving remnant of Israel. In verse 30, he continues and says, and the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Verse 31, for out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord will do this. And as I shared that word, I, I, I shared with our New Heart family that I believe that this is a year where God is calling us to take deep roots so that no matter what storms, no matter what things may come our way, that our lives will be nourished, will be solid, will be rooted into that deep foundation of God and his word, that no matter what happens, our lives will, will be firm and planted. And moreover, our lives will bear fruit no matter what the season takes. And friends, I believe we are embarking in a new season of roots and fruits. And so as we talk about a deep faith, it's with that context in mind of thinking about a plant with deep roots that no matter what takes place on the outside, whether there's, whether there's rain or no rain, whether there's easy seasons or hard seasons, that we would be the sort of people with deep roots and a deep faith that would nourish our soul as the Psalm 1 shares, that we would be like streams, we'd be like plants planted by streams of living water, that no matter what the season is, our lives would bear fruit. But I believe that God is calling us to take root downward in this season to, to be a deep people so that our lives can bear fruit in the upward sense. And so we are a band of survivors. I don't know uh, how you feel sometimes getting out of the house through this whole season of, of self, safe at home is what they call it. But every time I get out, I look around and I feel like I'm, I'm coming out of a storm shelter after a tornado has blown by. Or, you know, I, I just imagine what Noah would have felt like when he opened the door of the ark and was like peeking out, like, is it okay out here? And sometimes we feel that way when we step outside of our homes in this season. But it says of the people of God that they were like a band of survivors. And I believe God is calling you in this season where it doesn't seem natural that we'd be bearing fruit. God says, I want you to bear fruit even in this season. And the only way we bear fruit for God is if we'll abide in him. If we'll stay rooted and connected to God in this season. And that is my prayer for you in this season that you would allow God to grow deep roots in you through this season, through this season that might be difficult for many. We're praying that God would allow you to bear 
deep roots. We're going to turn to the book of Acts chapter 5, and we've kind of jumped around a little bit as we went into Easter, uh, but after this week, we should be able to get back on track. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 12, I want to share a little bit of the, the first church and the early church and where they were at, and so as that verse goes on the screen here in just a second, uh, you, you can follow along with me from wherever you're at on the screen or with your Bibles. But Acts 5 verse 12 says this. It says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in uh, Solomon's portico. So God's people were all gathered together. They were with one another. Don't you long for that day in our midst, church? the day that we can gather together and worship the King of Kings shoulder to shoulder. Uh, I, I cannot wait for that day. But they were all gathered together. Verse 13, none of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, so that even they they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered in the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And the Bible says they were all healed. They were all healed. And so it is this context I want to share and talk about this morning with you right where you're at because there's three groups of people that are listed in this section of scripture. The Bible lists uh, the believers, the followers of the way, the apostles, the disciples, those that were uh, already committed to following Jesus. Then there's another group that's listed. That group is just called the people uh, or others. None of the rest. And these are those other people that are involved in this whole process. And there's others that are listed there. And then there's a third group of people that are listed. Those people that God was calling to himself. And God was calling and inviting to be part of his family. And as such, they were coming to know the Lord. And so there's three groups of people that are listed here. But what we see at work here is the power of a deep faith. It's the power of a faith that is deeper than a surface level. And the big idea today, if you're taking notes at home, is there is great power in a deep and genuine faith. And the reality is this, where genuine faith exists, fear cannot. Those two are, are absolutely opposed to one another. That where faith exists, fear cannot. And what we see here is that the people see the power of God at work. And there's two kinds of people. There's those that are already following Jesus, and they're like, wow, that's awesome. But then the rest of the people, they see the power of God at work to heal the sick. They see some pretty amazing things taking place in the church. And about half of them are like these religious folks that are there, the Jewish religious leaders that are kind of checking things out. They sit back, and they're not so sure. They've got their arms crossed. But then it says, now more than ever, there was people that were coming to faith. They were putting their hope and trust in Jesus. And when God moves in front of us, when, when God's power is demonstrated for us, those are the two reactions we can have. 
We can either have, I'm not going to dare join with that. God is a little too powerful. I'm not sure what's happening. I can't get my mind around what God's doing. Or there's those that run to God. And in this season, my prayer for you is that you would be a person that would run to God. That you would not run away from God. You wouldn't sit back with arms crossed and say, I'm not so sure what God is up to. But you would be like that last group and you'd run towards God. My, my prayer for you in this season is that you would be a person that would press in towards God. That you'd push in towards God and draw deeper in your relationship with God. And here's why. God's a powerful God. And his power can cause us to be in awe. Yet it should never cause us to have fear. And I want to talk about fear because I think there's so many that live among us today that are gripped by fear, that are being controlled and overwhelmed by their fear and anxiety. And there's one thing to have a proper respect for something. There's another thing altogether to be afraid of those things. But, but when we walk with God, we don't need to fear. First John tells us, uh, gives us a glimpse of this. First John uh, verse, or chapter four, verse 15 through 18 says this. It says, whoever confesses Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him. In other words, for those of you who've put your hope and trust in Jesus today, you're not alone. Though you might be isolated, you could be all by yourself wherever you're at today, but you're not alone because God abides in you and he in God. Verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected. By this is his love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he is, as he is, so also are we in this world. God wants you to have confidence. I have people asking me every single day, Pastor, is this the end? Is this the end of the earth? Is, this, is it over? Is this like Armageddon coming soon? I say, first of all, I don't know. But Jesus says no one will know the day or the hour. But more importantly, what does the scripture say? God wants us to have confidence that no matter what circumstances may come in this world, we don't have to be afraid. We have confidence for the day of judgment. And then verse 18 gives us the, the clearest summary of it all. It says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. And he goes on to talk about how fear has to do with punishment. But this idea that perfect love casts out all fear. This is the idea that we must cling to. God doesn't want us to be afraid. He wants us to be gripped, not with fear, but with confidence. And for some of you today, I'm praying that God would give you confidence and not fear. In fact, I was... Uh, recently watching a movie as I, uh, it seems like every day Hollywood is coming out with a new 90s movie that they're making into live action. And some of them are amazing. In fact, uh, recently my family and I watched Pete's Dragon, which is a kid uh, movie from the 90s. And I think we've got a picture of it. And there's Pete uh, standing in front of his dragon. But there's a great scene in the, in the movie that I love where, where Pete is out and he's in the woods and he's being raised by this dragon. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, 
it's a wild story, and this dragon is like his friend. But, but he's out there, and he's in the woods, and he comes across a wild animal. And this wild animal is like angry and getting ready to attack this little boy. You can see how small he is. And this little boy stands up, and he goes, Rawr! And all of a sudden, the wild animal, like, and he turns and he runs. And he turns around, and of course, the giant dragon is standing behind him. He's got his back. And sometimes I feel that is the way we are towards God. Sometimes there's things God says, I want you to have confidence and know that I'm standing right behind you. I think of it like this. Uh, I've seen, I've been to a couple different military museums, and I've got to see some really cool things. I got to see a Sherman tank which I, I can imagine if you're an enemy of a Sherman tank, it might be a scary sight. Uh, but I've been on aircraft carriers and got to see uh, giant F-14 Tomcats, one of the most capable fighter jets of all time. Of course, Top Gun made it famous as well. Uh, but I've seen those things, and as I stood in the presence of the Sherman tank or of the F-14, or even I saw it, I've seen an F-15, I've seen all kinds of cool things. But as I stood in the presence of that F-14, for example, I wasn't afraid of it. I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to kill me, right? I was in awe of its capacity, of its capability, of knowing what it was capable of doing. I had a reverence for what it could do, but I wasn't afraid of it. Both caused me to have that sense of awe. And I believe the Bible says that we should have a fear of the Lord, but it doesn't mean the sort of fear like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared, what was that noise? Not that sort of fear that we would have an awe and a reverence for God, that we would recognize the bigness of God and the power of God and the majesty of God and the glory of God. But God doesn't want us to be afraid of him. In fact, the Bible says very clearly in the scripture we read, perfect love casts out all fear. So when I live my life close to the presence of Almighty God, when I live my life leaned in and pressed in towards God, fear is not an option. Fear is not even something that's part of the equation. For some of you gripped with fear in this season, I want to encourage you, draw closer to God and his perfect love will cast out fear in every dark corner of your life. That is what the Lord would speak to us today. Because genuine faith is always a faith that's pressed close to God. It's hot faith. Jesus uses a metaphor of, of there's two different types of people. There's some that are, that are cold towards God. They're like, they're, they got their foot in the, the cold part of the pool. And then there's others that are hot towards God. They're sitting in the hot tub, right? And they're hot. They're fired up about God. And Jesus tells us, I don't want you to be lukewarm. Because it's real easy to see the cold. It's real easy to see the hot. But the problem is that there exist people that live in this middle place and I don't like to speak in polemic terms very often, but Jesus uses this analogy. He says, you either need to be hot or cold. There's no middle ground. He says, I don't want you to be lukewarm. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, Jesus gives a picture of this type of church as he speaks to the church of Laodicea. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. Verse 16, he says, so because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. I love the way Jesus speaks. He's like, I want you either to be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'm just going to spit you out. All the moms in the house, 
Kids, if you're watching, don't spit things out in your house. All right? You're welcome, moms. But, but Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's not what God wants. And I just want to say, I want to make a connection here. Because it's to the church of Laodicea that Jesus, after uttering this warning and saying, I want you to be hot towards the things of God, not cold, certainly not lukewarm, because I'll spit you out my mouth. But he says, not only do I want you to be hot, but here's the deal. It is this church that Jesus says the words that I often quote, where Jesus says just a verse or two later, he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I stand at the door and I knock. He said, I would that you'd open the door and invite me in and I'd come in and eat with you. And he's speaking of a relationship. He's saying that when we are hot towards God, we're not gonna leave him standing at our front door. We're going to invite him in to a relationship, to break bread with us, to spend time with us. God wants a relationship with you. But for many of us, uh, in this season, and maybe, it, maybe before this season, we've been a, a people that have kept our front door closed and locked. Maybe you got another little lock on there, maybe a little chain on there. Maybe you got a little alarm on there. Maybe you got like a turret in front of your, I don't know what you got. But, but you've got that front door locked, and Jesus is saying, would you open the door for me to come in? Some of y'all have been, uh, your, your prayers have been answered in this season because along with our social isolation or social and physical distancing, uh, soliciting door-to-door has been stopped. It's been made illegal in this season. Some of y'all like, praise the Lord for that, right? Small victories. But I would submit to you today that in this season when no one else is knocking on your door, Jesus is knocking on your door. But he's not there to sell you something. He's not there because he wants to, to get your money or to get your whatever. He's there because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to invite him in. And so in this season, I want to encourage you, invite God in. And then there's a difference again. What Jesus is getting at here is there's a difference between social religion and a relationship with God. There's a difference between being someone who's made a decision for Christ and someone who is a disciple of Christ. In other words, there's a difference between going to church and being the church. To to just going to a place or watching a video and being a person that says, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to walk closely with you. I want to walk with you. Show me the way, because you are the way. Which is, again, the reason that the early church used this analogy of the way. They called themselves followers of the way because they understood that what they were embarking on was not just a destination, not just a location, but it was a journey of faith with Jesus. And so they called themselves the followers of the way. See, Jesus is looking for people who will follow him. And for those who will follow after Jesus, Jesus will make us change makers in our world. He'll use our lives to make a difference in our community, in our family, in our world. God wants us to do just that, to follow after him, to make a difference in this world. Secondly, God is looking for a people who are set apart. Not of the world, but in the world, to make a difference in the world. 
And that is exactly what Jesus was looking for in his early disciples, and that's what he's looking for in you and in me. He wants us to be people who will make a difference in this world. Not people that are just like everybody else. And I just have to say it because, you know, when you look at the disciples, you look at the early followers of the way, they were in the world, but they were different than the rest of the people. Now, they weren't weird. Some people think that means we got to be strange, right? We got to wear like weird t-shirts and we got to have weird hats. And, you know, we got we to, gotta, I don't know what, what that means to you, what context that looks like. But some people believe that that's what it means, that we have to just be strange. And some of y'all are strange, and we love you, by the way. Uh, that's, that's one of the reasons that, that, that we love having church in the flesh, because we have so many people from different backgrounds, and some of y'all are weird, and we love you just as you are. Come as you are to the Lord Jesus. But, but to be set apart from the world does not mean we have to be weird, unless we're already weird. If you're already weird, then be you, all right? Be who God made you to be. But, but the reality is they were different. When people would look at them, They'd be going through trials saying, Lord, don't take us out of the trial. Make us bold. And they're like, what? What's wrong with those people? They're different. They are connected to a deeper source than I am. They've got something that nourishes them that I do not have. And they were different than the world. See, they found favor with their world, however. They found favor with people. And what, what I love about the early church when we read through the book of Acts is we see a people dedicated to one thing, to Jesus. They were not known for what they were against. They were not in the, the corner saying, don't do this or you'll die. They were saying Jesus. They weren't saying, don't do that. They're saying Jesus is the way. They're saying, I have a hope because Jesus lives. They were saying, man, I was broken and now I'm healed because Jesus heals. They were saying, man, I, I, I had no hope. My relationships were destroyed, and God has restored me through Jesus. Everything that uttered off of their lips was the name Jesus. They were known very clearly that they were a people that followed Jesus. And in fact, even as they lived in a, in a world that was sexually promiscuous, they were financially promiscuous. They were generous to people they never should have been generous to. And as they were generous, as we see throughout the book of Acts, as they shared their possessions with one another, as they gave to the least of these that were around them, people said, why are you like that? And they'd say, it's because Jesus was so generous to me. It's because God has poured out his grace on me. And they looked different than the rest of the world. Jesus tells us, that there's, he, he prays this prayer, and we call it the high priestly prayer. He prays it over the disciples, the apostles, and he prays it by proxy over you and over me. And he says these words as he prays to the Father in John 17, verse 14. He says, Father, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus is saying, hey, this is not the the country that I find my citizenship in, though I'm a citizen of this nation, my citizenship ultimately is in heaven. I'm not of this world. Verse 15, I do not ask, Father, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. For they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth. 
Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Friend, I want you to hear from wherever you're at today. You're all like, I I can't go to church today. Well, you are the church right where you are. I want you to hear the word of Jesus. He says, I've sent you. I've sent you into your neighborhood. I've sent you into your city. I've sent you into your job. I've sent you to those places that I have sent you to, to be my ambassador, to be my representative, to make a difference where I've sent you. He says, Father, just as you sent me to love the world, so have I sent them. And I've also sent the Holy Spirit to them to empower them for this mission that I've created them for. See, Jesus sends us into the world to make a difference. And I can't read a scripture like this without pausing to say these words, that Jesus is still in the miracle working, healing business today. There's nothing that that says at the end of scripture, oh, by the way, all that stuff is paused. The, The scripture is clear that that these signs will accompany those who believe. And and there's something powerful to know that the same God who brought healing back in the days of old, from the beginning to the middle, all the way to the end of the scriptures, the same Jesus who brought healing then can bring healing to your life today, can bring healing to your brokenness today. It's one of the reasons we pray for those who are sick. It's one of the reasons we pray for those who are going through difficulty. Not because... Uh, We think it helps, but because we know it helps. Because we know that God meets us in our needs, and the same God who brought healing then can still do it now. See, God's people are called to be a people in the world, but not of the world. Jesus uses that. He talks about himself and says, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. And then he says, and by the way, your people, they're in the world, but they're not of the world as well. And he specifically says, God, I don't ask, Father, I don't ask that you take them out of the world right now because the world needs them to be salt and light in the world in this season. See, God's, call, God's people are called to be in the world but not corrupted by the world. Again, the title of my message today is The Power of a Deep Faith. There's a great book by a man of God named A.W. Tozer, great author, great follower of Jesus. He wrote a book almost with the opposite title of my message called The Dangers of a Shallow Faith. I went and, it's a great book. I encourage you to read it. But in that book, he said this. I have a quote from it. He said, the Bible is, has no compromise whatsoever with the world. The Bible has a message for the evangelical church, for us, calling it back home. The Bible always sends us out into the world but never to compromise with the world and never to walk in the way of the world, but only to save as many as we can. This, that is the one direction, he says. See, we've been sent by Jesus to make a difference in our world, not to be changed by it, but to change it through the power of God at work in our lives. And we do that not by declaring how much we despise the world, but by declaring how much we love the Lord Jesus. That is where the power of God is unleashed. Lastly, and we'll get to it here, is God's people can thrive in hard seasons as long as they stick closely to him. See, in these moments of weakness, I wanna encourage you, don't draw away from God, draw near to him. Press in towards God, because it's only with God that we'll find strength to get us through but strength not just to get through it, 
but strength to grow in the midst of this season. Again, as I've shared before, I believe this is a season of renewal for God's church. As what was old, what wasn't working, what wasn't producing fruit in us, we've had an opportunity to kind of trim away. And I believe God is wanting to renew and build a new church and do something new in this season. But to thrive in this season and in any season of hardship, we've got to do a couple things. The first thing I want to quickly remind you of is we must allow God's peace to guard us. Philippians 4 verse 5 says this. And I think we've got the verse you can see on the screen. Philippians 4 5 says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And why? Here's why. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The scripture tells us that when we're anxious, when we're overwhelmed, when we don't know exactly how we're going to get through our lives, that it is in those moments when we're anxious that we need to make our requests known to God. We need to talk to God. We need to unlock that front door and invite Jesus in to our story. Invite him into our situations. And he says, if we'll do that, then the peace of God will guard us. Some of y'all like that idea. Some of y'all go outside and you're like, I got my mask on. And I got my gloves on. I'm guarded, right? And you're like, I can do anything now. I could go grocery shopping, even at Costco. Uh, by the way, you know, the, the sites of Costco and of the grocery stores in this season are one for the history books. But, but we go outside and we're like, I'm guarded. I got my mask on. And I'm Darth Vader and I'm really cool. But Jesus says, I want to guard your heart and your mind. Because don't you know, I can guard my hands with my rubber gloves as long as I'm not touching my face with those rubber gloves. I see people doing that all the time. It drives me crazy. And we can guard, we can guard our face with those masks. I washed my hands before I came up, okay. We can guard those places, but Jesus says, I want you to guard your heart and your mind, and that happens as I submit my anxious toil to the Lord through prayer with thanksgiving. So to thrive, we've got to allow God's peace to guard us. Secondly, we've, to thrive in this season, we must allow God's strength to empower us. Philippians 4 continues in verse 12 and says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. We like verse 13. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, through Christ who gives me strength. See, I know how to abound and how to be in lack. I know how to go through good times and I know how to go through hard times and thrive and survive in the midst of both. And that's to have those deep roots. It's to abide in Christ and find that the source of our strength is not in our own, in our own exertion of will. Some of y'all are strong. Some of y'all are capable to get through a lot. But it's not our own strength that we must rely on to get through a season like this. Our own strength might get us through it, but it won't grow us through it. It's only as we abide in Christ that we grow through, through the seasons of hardship. And lastly, to thrive in this season, we must find contentment and strength in God alone. It says this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. It says, as 
Paul was praying to the Lord to have an ailment taken from him. The Lord said, he said to me, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more, Paul says, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He says, I will learn to be content even with hardships. I will look calamity in the face and say, I welcome you with open arms. This is not normal. This is not the normal prayer, right? I don't know anyone that says, Lord, give me calamity, right? Uh, unless, unless there's something going on with you and we could pray for you about that. But, but that's not our normal prayer. What is he saying? He's not saying he likes pain. He's saying that he welcomes those things because he knows that as he puts those roots down deep in the things of God, that his own weakness in his flesh, God can exert his strength. Like that little boy that stood with a giant dragon standing at his back. He can look his problems in the face and know his own weakness and also know the strength of his God that stands behind him. Some of y'all need to have a picture of God that's standing behind you, that's standing beside you, ready to face the battle that you are walking into. See, that is when we can pray and say, Lord, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because it's when I'm weak, my strength doesn't magically grow, but what happens is I learn to rely on God's strength. And when I will tap into and rely on God's strength, instead of just relying on my own strength, what I find is that his source is so much better than my own source. And I find a strength that I never would have had. See, friend, I want to just encourage you today. His grace is enough. His grace is sufficient for you today. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through in this season, uh, I want to just encourage you. His strength is sufficient. See, when I feel weak, that's when I'm strong. And this is the paradox of the way. Because it's not when, when I feel weak, that's not when I'm like, yeah, look how strong I am. But it's when I'm weak that I learn to rely on God. And I learn to tap in to his source of strength. I want to pray with you. Uh, wherever you're at, I want to encourage you to draw near to God in this season. To press in towards him. We're going to pray. I want to pray for you right where you're at today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we believe that there is great power in deep and genuine faith. And Lord, this morning, I prayed for every man, woman, or child within the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you would allow us to draw closer to you. Lord, for, for many of us, you're standing at our door knocking. Lord, today I pray we'd unlock the door, that we'd invite you in. Lord, maybe we've, we've left you out on the porch during this season. Maybe in every area, maybe just in a couple areas, but Lord, those areas that we've closed off to you today, as you stand at our door and knock, Lord, I pray that we'd invite you in. God, that you'd, you would remind us and help us to submit all of our anxious thoughts to you. God, where anxiety might, might be gripping us in this season, Lord, we surrender those things to you. 
We declare and believe, Lord, that you are Lord. And Lord, we pray that you'd guard our hearts and our minds according to your word. That you'd remind us to bring those things to you because you care about us. And God, in this season where many of us feel weak, we feel outside of our comfort zone, we say, Lord, we invite you to bring us strength. Lord, give us that fresh reminder that even when we're at our weakest, when we're down to nothing, God, you're up to something. And so, Lord, in this season, I pray that we would draw near to you. Help us to grow deep roots that our lives might be fruitful, that our lives might bear fruit for you. And finally, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to find our contentment and our strength, not in our own exertion, our own will, or in any place else, but in you. Lord Jesus, it's all for you. So this morning, we thank you, Father, for that. In your precious name. And finally, maybe you're here within the sound of my voice today, watching on Facebook or YouTube, and you wonder, how did I get to watching this video? And I believe the Lord is calling some of you possibly home to himself. If you're within the sound of my voice and you've never made the commitment to follow after Jesus, I wanna pray with you right where you are. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not after anything you've got. I just wanna give you the free gift of God's grace. And Jesus said it clearly, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father who's in heaven. And there's something important about us praying that prayer and acknowledging him and receiving his free gift of grace. And so if that's you today, you're like, I want to say yes to the Lord Jesus. I want to receive his free gift of grace. Maybe you've walked away from God or maybe you've never had a relationship with him. Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. And the very first step of faith is to let him in. So I want to pray with you if that's you today, right where you're at in your living room. You can just pray along with me and say, Father, Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to the cross. I thank you that he died in my place for my sins. Lord Jesus, I open the door of faith and I invite you into my life. I want to be a follower of the way. You are the way. And so today I put my hope and trust in you. I ask you for the gift of eternal life. And I want to follow you from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right where you're at today, we'd love to know if God did something in your life. If God is calling you uh, to take that step of faith, maybe you said yes to Jesus, we'd love for you to fill out a connect card on our website. Newheart.us slash connect is where you could fill out one of those connect cards. But we'd love to know that you were joining us today. Please feel free to leave a comment. Let us know you're here today. Share this post on social media. And we look forward to meeting with you again. Next week we'll be online, but we look forward to seeing you face to face very, very soon. God bless you and have a great week. We'll see you soon.